This is an RNZ podcast. Back in June, the Prime Minister announced that the minister who fired up the plans for a new public media entity was leaving her government and politics in what she called just a minor reshuffle. And she said Chris Farfoy was going with her blessing. I want to... Uh put in my word of thanks to Minister Farfoy. He's done a huge amount of work in the public broadcasting space at a time when we have wanted uh, to see greater investment uh, in public broadcasting. Uh, that agenda continues. Uh, that, that agenda has already been set. But there was plenty of spade work still to do at that point on the RNZ-TBNZ merger, and there still is, under his successor Willie Jackson. But back then, Chris Farfoy told reporters it was time to spend more time with his family. You, you, you want to see things through, but you also, if you have a line in the sand, that's a date, then that's just the reality of it. But last week it emerged that he would like to spend more time again with the government on behalf of commercial clients this time. The Herald's George Block discovered the website of a new lobbying firm called Dialogue 22, listing Chris Farfoy as its chief executive and backed by the Auckland-based advertising executive Greg Partington. Now, Chris Farfoy is far from the first ex-minister to go through the so-called revolving door linking lobbying and government, but he's probably the fastest to get through to the other side. Hence the headline, Minister to Lobbyist Too Soon, on the New Zealand Herald editorial last Thursday, which said that restraint of trade clauses aren't unusual in the private sector and... To pay an MP handsomely while they're briefed on the intimate affairs of the state, only for them to jump across the table to lobby on behalf of paying interests, is asking much of the New Zealand taxpayer. On Morning Report last week, researcher and equality campaigner Max Rashbrook told RNZ's Guy Espiner that monetising political experience and government connections like this was not just unseemly, it would actually be illegal in other countries. The basic point here is that Chris Farfoy sat around the cabinet table for many years and while doing so, you know, of course, gained access to some of the most confidential information in politics. I mean, he knows everything about what was discussed, what ministers think, uh, what the advice to ministers is, what decisions are likely in future, what the prime minister thinks about a whole range of issues. I mean, and this is highly confidential public information that is only really supposed to be held by Cabinet and used for the public good. And when Guy and Espiner asked the Prime Minister if all this amounts to allowing the retailing of confidential information or public information not yet disclosed to the public for private gain, Jacinda Ardern didn't accept that. Every, every New Zealander knows our intentions and policies by our manifesto. We're oh, come on, come on. Are you really making a comparison between a member of the public and a cabinet minister? No, I'm actually trying to answer your question, but you're not pausing long enough. But ironically, not pausing long enough before setting up as a lobbyist was one of the main reasons that Chris Farfoy's move was creating dialogue in the media. And in a Dominion Post opinion piece on Thursday, long-time telecom lobbyist Ernie Newman said Chris Farfoy had set a new, much lower bar by moving into the influence game so quickly that the rest of his cabinet colleagues are still occupying the seats of power. He also pointed out that Chris Farfoy's past portfolios include some especially sensitive ones, like commerce, justice and immigration, as well as communications and broadcasting, and... When someone in such a high office pushes such boundaries, it can lead to a dangerous, slippery slope. Well, there's no shortage of those in Wellington right now after a winter of discontents, record-breaking rainfall. But on Morning Report last week, Guy and Espiner pointed out that plenty of others in politics are trying to make it rain in the political lobbying game as well. 
We've got something of an epidemic of it here, haven't we? We were speaking to Tori Farno, who's just won the mayoralty in Wellington. She left the Green Party chief of staff to form um, to to join a lobbying company. Neil Jones was the chief of staff for Jacinda Ardern until 2017. He he left to join a, a lobbying company. Wayne Eagleson was the chief of staff for John Key. Um, he he's now with Thompson Lewis, who employ Gordon John Thompson, who actually went. To chief of staff for Jacinda Ardern and back again. And Guy Nespina was also aware, though, that it's not just two-way traffic between politics and government and professional lobbying and consultancy. There's a third point on this triangle. Can I just finish with the role of the media here? Do you think that the media are taking this seriously enough? Because then we um, use these people as political commentators very widely. Don't we? I mean, many of the commentators you hear in New Zealand are political lobbyists, some of whom are quite interesting to listen to, but we do use them a lot. And the media, RNZ included, sure do love to air the lobbyists' insights, in spite of any conflicts of interest they might have, which they take on trust, will be declared and managed. Take this week's 9 to noon politics slot last Monday, for example, featuring the former National Party staffer Bridget Morton, who's now a lawyer at the law firm Frankson Ogilvie. Bridget. I think without any doubt Three Waters is a toxic thing for this government and I just take the opportunity to declare that I've got (laughs) that I represent a group currently taking the Three Waters uh, to court but I think putting it in the politics sense. And these days the media seem pretty keen on platforming a few high profile ex-politicians too as content creators. For example, Deputy Prime Minister Paula Bennett, who's now in the business of Auckland real estate, has a column in the Herald on Sunday and a podcast for NZME called Ask Me Anything, in which she chats to other people with a public profile. The most recent one was a chat with former winners of The Block, who are now property professionals. Just back to the sort of property development, you were saying that you've got one under construction now. Yes. I mean, how do you feel about doing that in this kind of market? I mean, it is a bit gutsy at the moment. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, so we've got uh, development of nine units underway at the moment. And former National Party leader Simon Bridges, who has a day job lobbying for Auckland business, has a similar podcast produced by Stuff called Generally Famous. And in the latest one of those, the politician turned lobbyist and podcaster talked to media personality Brody Kane. And I'm not being political here. I just, you've got RNZ and TVNZ potentially coming together in this massive wildebeest of a thing that's going to kind of, you know, run the show. Yeah. I feel like we're in a, a, a an interesting time where there's a massive saturation of information and misinformation and everyone wanting to be someone. Well, we've heard the new public media entity called a behemoth before, but never a wildebeest. Now, clearly, the media and politics and lobbyists are all interconnected and even interdependent. But Chris Farfoy has now completed the trifecta. Before he joined Labour in 2010, he reported on politics in Parliament for TBNZ, one of the reasons he was made Broadcasting Minister later on in 2018. And now he's made himself a lobbyist just four months after quitting that job. Now, as we heard on Media Watch last week and the week before, Commercial media companies have urged a parliamentary select committee to roll back the new public media entity which Chris Farfoy himself kick-started on the grounds that it distorts the media business. And while Canada has a rule that ex-ministers can't lobby their former ministries for five years after leaving the role, 
There's no such prohibition here. So what would Chris Farfoy do if a media company wanted to engage him or his company Dialogue 22 to knock back the public media entity that he created as a minister? Well, we put that to Chris Farfoy this week, but he replied, thanks, but I am respectfully going to decline. Now, the Dialogue 22 website advertising his influencing service says, we take your issues, shape your narrative, and get your story where it needs to be. So we can only suppose then that the answer to that question wasn't quite the narrative that Chris Farfoy had in mind.